You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Adam and Brooke Fish. They are the co-founders of The Unseen Story. Adam, Brooke, thanks for being on the show, guys. Mm, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Zach. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. I'm excited uh, to talk with you guys and, and learn from you a little bit. We're starting a similar show to what you guys have been doing with The Unseen Story. So maybe as we get started, can you tell us a little bit about the ministry um, what is the unseen story? What does what it? Why does it exist? What do you guys do? Sure, um, I would say the reason uh, we exist is to um, empower the church through a diversity of testimonies, mm. um, and the name itself, uh, the unseen story, is from Second uh, Corinthians, which says, "So we fix our eyes." not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And it's been our experience, our journey, that the further we follow Jesus, the more important that becomes to fix mm -hmm. our eyes on the, on the things that are unseen. Mm -hmm. um, testimony, I think, has just a, a really powerful way uh, to speak to God's tangible interactions with his people. Um, so we want to share from a diversity. So I say uh, empowering the church through a diversity of testimonies, because the more diverse the range of people we talk to, the more clarity you get uh, on who this God is that we serve. Um, he's multifaceted. He's beyond our understanding. He's uh, working uniquely through different individuals, speaking to them in unique and specific ways. And, and so that... Mm that plethora, that cornucopia of different voices talking, speaking about these interactions, I think is really essential and really healthy. And it's really, um, it's something that's really needed in the church. Yeah. And not only that, I think the more that we talk to people from tons of just different churches and different backgrounds, um, different like sex of the church mm -hmm. we have really realized that like we think we're different but man we serve one god who just really doesn't change he is who he is um he mm. is the great i am and even though we think we have all these differences he interacts the same in our lives and it is it's really beautiful to see mm. well it's cool that you guys have gotten to get to see that the diversity of how he works in and through people and that he is the same in all situations, but how he works is often probably a lot different, drastically different than maybe we do. Do you see a tendency for, for the church to get stuck in these ruts of doctrine and dogma and, and that when you start sharing story or, or asking people to share those transformational stories of what Christ has done in their life, you start to see all those things kind of melt away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, th I, I that 
is my hope. Um, I mean, you, you know, Jesus prayed in John that the church would be one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of our grasping at understanding um, leads us to the denominational divides. Yeah. Uh, in order to be one, I think we've got to start um, listening to each other. <laughs> oh, that's a concept. <laughs> yeah, but and and um, and it's about God's power and about what God's doing in our lives. Um, so I, I think there is a humbling aspect when you start listening to different people's stories, when you understand their background and the commonality of our, I would say it this way, our, our brokenness, our, our trials, our tribulations, our guilt, our shame. There's a commonality that we all have in that. And then that can bind us together if we're willing to talk about that. And then how Jesus comes in and redeems and restores and renews mm -hmm is the hope that we have and and so there's this uh, i know in the in the diversity of the stories and the diversity of the testimonies there in and the procl the proclaiming of god's power in those different places and people mm -hmm. um, it, it levels the playing field mm -hmm. and unites us mm -hmm. um so, so to answer your question yes i think there is a, a it, it's been a reframing process for us and we hope that that helps other people do the same to maybe give a different glimpse of, you know, because a lot in, a, I think in a lot of denominations from, for us, particularly we were, we were, you know, we were encouraged to learn our Bibles and to know the biblical answers. And that was great. But sometimes mm -hmm. in doing that, you have a real narrow, sometimes very narrow view of, of, of how the Bible can be interpreted and what the Bible says and, we start to narrow even God's scope and who he is. Um, that's why the, you know, the Jews, they wouldn't even, they don't even name God, you know, because even in a name, you have a concept of mm. this God that we serve, you know, mm. and, and that can be dangerous. So, um, yeah, I, that's, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. That's something you could talk about for a real long time. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Well, you and I have talked offline about th that Bema podcast and and how, like, as Westerners, we approach the Bible a certain way. Originally, yeah. the text was written for an Eastern audience, though, and so, like, what does it look like to approach the Bible from these different contexts? And and I think the thing that is so cool that I've found about story is. And it gives the, absolutely, we're not saying that we're taking anything away from scripture. That is the primary way in which God chooses to speak to us, right? That is, and always will be, but man, there's some significance to story and the power of story and, and how it opens our eyes to this God that we serve in ways that, um, I th don't negate or contradict what we see in scripture. I, th I think always supports what we see in scripture. Um, but just, man, the power of story just opens our eyes to, to the grandeur of this God that we serve. So yeah, I, see what you're I mean, for sure. the Bible is story. It's right. story after story, after story, after story of mm -hmm. God's reckless pursuit of those mm. he loves and just wants to be with. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh man, we could nerd out about this all day. So <laughs> how, uh, 
what's your guys' background? How did you guys get into this? So we have some context context for today's discussion. Like, how did you both get into story and storytelling and and a passion around that? Um, wow. Okay. So the short answer: we neither one of us grew up in the church. Okay. Um, we're both creatives. Um, I'm a photographer. Brooke is um, in. Well, she was educated in fashion design, uh, and now mm. she's an interior decorator. Um, and so coming to the church late uh, in our 20s, now late, having, late 20s, yeah, having yeah. no real experience growing up in the church um, has colored our perspective. Um, mm. And then we got into a church. It was a small church that grew into a mega church. It started when we started, it was a couple hundred people. It's grown now to probably 20,000. Wow. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that was our really formative that, and, and really at that church, they really highlighted, um, which was a bl- huge blessing, huge, yeah. transparency, um, authenticity. So they really valued testimony, really valued people being vulnerable in small group formats. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we got into the church, our marriage was in trouble. We didn't really know because we had no foundation about how to have a healthy marriage. We kind of made all the mistakes in the, in the mm-hmm. beginning. And the church was really uh, vital in us um, working through some issues, de- developing communication, healthy de- uh, communication habits. And, and so in that ministry and then another ministry that we were involved with, they would um, start with worship and then go straight into a testimony. Okay. So testimony was just part of our DNA mm-hmm. in, in the church culture. And then in, in the ministries that we ended up That's both good. serving in and being ministered to in our marriage and in individual lives. Um, one was a recovery ministry and the other was a um, kind of marriages in crisis, basically. Yeah. Well, really two recovery ministries. Um, so yeah, every ministry birthed out of that church really is foundational with um, testimony. Which has been, I think, so wonderful. And I mean, it, it set the tone for totally. the way we live. I mean, so give you more background on me. I, I My parents were teenagers when they had me and, and um, there was a sh- short-lived marriage um, and they weren't ready. And um, But I, I learned some habits from them and from that divorce to just kind of stuff and bury emotion. Mm. And I didn't really know how to process emotion and the things that I was experiencing. And so that that's, that's part of my testimony. And so do you now fast forward, I get into this church and people are sharing some of this stuff, like communicating it in front of groups of people. It's like, well, that was revolutionary. <laughs> like what's no, going you on here. Yeah. <laughs> you don't talk about that stuff. You know, yeah. that, that's, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm an introvert. I'm, I, 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 avoid conflict, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this was, was confrontational and yet beautiful. Cause I was like, wow, I, I really like these people. I really resonate uh-huh. with what they're saying. I, I really, I really think they're courageous and I yeah. want to know them, you know, whereas before I thought if you shared that stuff, it would actually lead to disconnection and, and further shame and further guilt. I actually know it. Like it was mm-hmm. like, I like this person. Yeah. Like, I, I want to know them. Like how this, you know, you respect them for the courage that they have to share that stuff. And so that, that was the, that was really the catalyst for just the power of testimony. 
Yeah. The more, um, the more of the ugliness and the warts people share, we found the more that we like them mm-hmm. <laughs> because you can see yourself and you see your own humanity in other people when they share the junk. I don't yeah. care about the fluffy stuff. Those are the highlight reels that don't really matter. And, right. um, I mean, that's easy to share, right? Mm. But you really get to know somebody when you know when they're sharing the junk. Mm -hmm. And then you can see part of your own struggles, your own, um, like I said, humanity in in what they share. And then then you're bonded. You're bonded Mm -hmm. to that person on a deeper level. So it's powerful. Testimony is powerful. Well, the the significance just within a marriage relationship of of vulnerability – when we are vulnerable, that is when we become closest in our relationships. And so, um, man, that's beautiful. I talk about this a lot in some of our coursework, but there's a guy named Dr. Kurt Thomas. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he's a Christian psychologist that talks on testimony quite a bit and um, has done quite a bit of research into the power of storytelling in how it can physically heal us. Like the process of me sharing my story, not only is a physically healing process for me uh, at a psychological level and otherwise, but Mm. it's a, when you hear my story, there's a physical healing that takes place in the receiver of that story in the hearer of that story. And Mm. so what you guys are talking about within a church context, a, a local body of believers being vulnerable with each other, sharing the shame and the guilt that they've experienced and been brought through, through Christ's redemptive work. Like that is transformational in a, in the building of a community. And that's exactly what he speaks to right? This process of sharing my story, you hearing my story, like there's something that's taking place in that communal type interaction that, that I don't know that we can really completely comprehend or understand, but like this guy's showing that there's significance to it and it's powerful. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, at, um, a church that we love and attend sometimes, um, we're kind of floating between, a different <laughs> um, but you know, they talk often about the spirit of prophecy. And when we are sharing our testimony, it's the, it's the spirit of prophecy of what the Lord can do in other people's lives. And so when we share our testimony, mm. there's healing because it shows, Hey, God has done this for me. He can do this for you. And that's what mm-hmm. we share in our, that's like kind of our one liner in our, in our podcast is what God has done through this storyteller. He lives to do for you. And mm. It's just, it provides breakthrough, you know, and, and in that process, the Lord is speaking to you through the Holy spirit of like, wow, okay. If that can happen for me too. And he's recalling things that have happened in your life. And it's like, it's like spiritual popcorn is happening when you hear other people's um, testimonies Mm -hmm. and it, yeah, it's just encouraging. And there's breakthrough in that. Mm. I don't know the the address, but I think it's the testimony of Jesus is the spirit Spirit of prophecy. prophecy. Yeah. Oh, have you heard that verse? I don't think I have. So yeah, just testifying to revelation to, and then there's yeah, well, there's revelations 12, 11, we overcome the word of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But, 
but that spirit of prophecy one is is a similar thing. It's like when we testify to Jesus and his power, it, it goes out and it, it accomplishes something mm-hmm. in other people's lives. Well, even that Revelation twelve eleven, it goes on to say like that they loved that that they that they did this to the point of death, right? Mm. That they loved not their own selves to the point of death, mm. that they were willing to testify of what Christ has done in their life. That we are that that thing at the end and now are sharing our testimony in the blood of the Lamb is the thing that will push back darkness. That's and that's a beautiful verse. I love that verse. Ooh. Yeah, it's totally. so good. Okay, so it's Revelation nineteen ten. Mm. Uh, is that verse? It says, uh, hang on, let me get there. We'll just have a little moment. Um, Yeah, let's have a moment. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then I fell at his feet to worship him uh, because he said to me, oh, wait, yes, uh, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brothers and sisters who hold the testimony of of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Oh, man. That's so good. That's so good, guys. Man, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is so good, isn't he? Man. So as you guys have set out to to tell real people's transformational stories, what have been some of the challenges and struggles that you've experienced? Because this is not all roses and sunshine, right? Like when we are telling stories, there's trauma, there's things that have happened in the past that are big things, right? There's, there's pain, there's hurt, there's shame, there's guilt, there's all the things that he's pulled us out of. And so what do you find that, well, I'll just let you answer. What are some of the challenges and struggles that you guys have run into as you've set out on this course? Um, well, I'll say, I'll say it this way. Um, I don't know, again, I'm not very good with addresses, but the verses, um, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Uh, was that Psalms or something? No, but but um, I think one of the challenges is that when God, God called us, he called me specifically to do this. And one of the challenges is that light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. Sometimes I wish I had like a Google maps where I could route the whole thing. You know, if if, like, we're going to Iowa for Christmas, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. a 12 hour drive. I know where exactly all the cities we're going to go to. I know the estimated time of arrival, you know, that's kind of nice. God doesn't really work that way. Uh, Mm. A a lamp unto my feet sometimes is literally like, I don't know where I'm going to step. And I know the next step. I know the next step and that's it. There's nothing beyond. Yeah. There's there. And you're like, how's this going to work? This doesn't, I don't see the end of this. It doesn't seem like it's going to go well, but I, I feel that I'm confident that you're calling me to do it. Um, but I don't, this is specifically like in pursuing this ministry or when you're telling somebody's individual story or all the above. Uh, I mean, specific to the ministry, I think. And then even in people's stories, like if I'm telling an individual story, I think it's more relational. They Mm -hmm. they have parallel there. The journey is relational. What he's called us to do is relational. It's mm-hmm. it's dependent, daily dependent often. Mm-hmm. Um, God, how, how is this going to work financially? How, mm-hmm. how, how, how are people, how are these stories going to reach people when there's so much noise out there? 
Mm-hmm. Um, God, I, I'm, I'm worried, you know, college is coming for my kids. You know, finance mm-hmm. is, a, is a big one. Um, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable is a big one. You know, increasing, you start putting your stuff out to whomever is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a little bit um, intimidating. <clears throat> I'm not somebody that wants to talk a whole lot. <laughs> um, so I have to get over, like, if he calls you to do it, then you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there are certain things that he's instilling in you confidence. Um, and when you take that step, not knowing exactly where you're going to land, you see that, oh, wow, he was there. And it, mm-hmm. and it encouraged your faith. You see him show up in that. Um, on the individual story level, I think it's relational in that he's bringing us people. And I'm not totally sure how I'm going to, how, what they're going to share or how they're going to sh- share a story that I can, because I take about an hour, hour and a half of them talking. And I just want them to share what God put has done in their life. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to condense that down into, you know, 15, 20 minutes so that it, it, it tightens it up for our audience. Because I know mm-hmm. people have a limited time frame. So I'm not always sure how I'm going to make a story out of what they share with me. Um, but I know that God has invited them to, to be a participant. And so he works it out. Um, well, and so let me just back up real quick and say, I apologize. It was Psalm. So please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 119, 105. There you go. Uh, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Um, and then I would just say, it's interesting that you answered it that way, which is funny because he's always kind of thinking about um, the business aspect of it, because even though it's a ministry, it's still what provides for our family, right? Right, right. But I think about like the story aspect um, and the people aspect, not that you don't, but it's just like one is heightened over the other, because I think there's a lot of weight on your shoulders because you are doing all of the editing and I just get to sit there and listen and get to be really personable with them, you know? And so for me, that's so fun because I love people. Um, and, and I think that some of the challenges that I have seen is one, you know, sometimes people reach out and they say, Hey, I feel like I'm ready to share my story. And Mm -hmm. I'll say, awesome, great. Let's talk about it. And then they'll, we'll talk and then they'll email back and say, you know what? I, I, no, um, my family doesn't think it's a good decision or it's not the right time. And in that there, I think has been some wisdom of the Lord, right. For some folks. And then for other folks, I think it's really been the fear of man. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we always just trust that the Lord is going to guide them. I reached out to one gal and she got back to me like a year later and said, it's time. God told me last night, it's time. And so like, okay, Lord, this is just all you. We just come with open hands and open hearts and are ready for you to share. And then the other part I think is like his journey of faith has been way different from my journey of faith. And, um, even though we've totally walked it together, but, um, I, I, I'm more of like a doubting Thomas. And so some of the things that we share, I'm like, no way, no, no way. Like if he gets a story that I wasn't there when they recorded and then I listen to it so that we can talk about it or, you know, I get the understanding of the story before I do the transcription and stuff. 
I'm like, there's no way that happened. No. Mm. Are you kidding me? And he's just always challenging me like, okay, either they're liars or God is bigger than we can even fathom. Mm. And then I have to wrestle with that, you know? And I think that there's a beauty there. It's like this beautiful invitation that the Lord is giving us of like, you have to be the one who evaluates your heart in the midst of hearing this person's story. And then you get to have this holy wrestle with the Lord of, could you really be that good? And could mm. you really be that big? Mm. And is this true? Yeah. And can I believe this is possible for me too? Yeah, yeah. And then it becomes this intimate thing, you totally. know, between you and the Lord. And I, I, to go back to what we talked about, you know, Western versus Eastern thinking, Easterners are much more comfortable in tension and, and mm. they wrestle. And, and in mm. fact, the rabbis, they, there's a famous kind of saying that a rabbi will lead you around the block to show you what's right next door. And, and mm. the, the idea there is that the, the way that rabbis teach you is through their experience. So they mm. teach in parables. You know, Jesus is famous for his parables and asking questions. He asks a question when he's asked a question, you know, and so he's mm -hmm. getting us to think, getting us to wrestle. Um, and I think to Brooke's point, um, that these testimonies, hopefully they lead to a certain level of tension, you know, is, is this the God that we serve, you know, is this possible mm -hmm. for me? Uh, and that's the point is to wrestle with that and wrestle with him with that. The Holy Spirit's in us, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was really good. Mm. Yeah, these are living I have, stones. I have like a really great story. Ebenezer's. This might be extra. I don't know if you want to put this in or not, but I have a really great story that illustrates the tension of doing ministry. Yeah, uh, I'd love to hear it. So we, in the beginning of our ministry, we shared uh, four stories of people receiving $10,000. Um, and like yeah. within the first year, maybe even the, the first, first six months. Three, four months. And I just crazy. kept getting these stories of $10,000, like Jean McGuire got um, 10 grand to go buy a car. Uh, another woman who was um, got 10,000 to do a trip to Israel. It was um, just always 10,000. Always, always, always 10,000. And I remember, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, uh, I, I wonder if we'll ever get 10,000. When do we get our 10,000? <laughs> that, that would be really cool. You know, cause I'm, um, I'm very focused on the, the financial piece. You know, that's the thing right. that God has continued to work with me on, like just opening up and, and trusting in, in regards mm -hmm. to finance. And as a man being a provider, you know, that, that, yep. that, that hits home. I'm with so, you, man. I'm with you on that. <laughs> so so uh, we were, we finished our first year of the ministry and it was really rough. It was really challenging. We, we didn't make a whole lot of money and we were wrestling because we thought we'd reevaluate and say, okay, Let's let's pray and is it if it's working we'll keep going if it's we'll not working we'll be obedient for a year God we'll give you yeah. one <laughs> yeah. so I had a really really rough night that that night the night kind of prior to the decision I didn't sleep well I was contending I was on my knees I was you know it, it was You're not, wrestling I was uh -huh. wrestling it wasn't pretty it wasn't a pretty yeah. pretty wrestling it was like I need you mm -hmm. help oh, me snot and tears and <laughs> yes and you, know, you know yeah oh yeah it was, it was like yep. you're familiar with this yeah yep. yeah i run a ministry too it's just get <laughs> wrestling sessions all the time all right lord let's do this yeah come on yes and and the way that that he gave me 
confirmation to start the ministry was was the most powerful he'd ever moved in my life. It was unbelievable. Um, and I so I that night a year later I'm saying, could you just give me a taste of that again? Could you do something like that? <laughs> confirmation. That was amazing. You confirmed it then. Could you maybe just once a, a little bit of that? Here's the fleece. Yeah, and so wake up that day, we talk, we, you know, just work through everything and we decide, okay, we're going to do the ministry. Well, and we go to like, we have some things going on um, with our youngest at his school. And so we go to this meeting and I'm wrestling with like, do I go back to work full time, you know, and God is just working. Like you don't, in the midst of it, you don't see how he's working, right? But when mm-hmm. you pull back, you're like, whoa, all of that was intertwined. So we received some hard news at school that was unexpected and just helping process some stuff. Our son was diagnosed with dyslexia and mm-hmm. he was in like fifth grade. And so I had all the mom guilt that I should have caught this. What did I do wrong? Yeah, exactly. Um, and now we see what a huge blessing it is. And it's such a gift. And um Uh, but in that there was a lot, like God was answering, um, prayers and questions through all of that. And then we both came home and we're both just snot faced and (laughs) crying and it's raining outside. And we're like, let, you know what we need? A nap. (laughs) Well, I, I took a nap. So I'm sleeping. I did too. Oh, you did as well. Yeah. And so it's about five o'clock and we get, um, uh, somebody knocking at the door, Brooke goes outside she pulls out this envelope that it has this card and on the card it was oprah winfrey which is a whole another story but it had significance the card being oprah winfrey mm-hmm. um and it was like her you know you get a car you get a car but it said you get a card instead so it was kind of humorous but the oprah winfrey thing had relevance um we won't go into that it's a longer but story. but then inside <laughs> of that card she comes in and she's like you're not going to believe this wakes me up you're not going to believe this you're not going to believe this and there was a check in in that in in that envelope and do you want to know what was can on you that guess zach <laughs> was it was it ten thousand dollars <laughs> it was indeed ten thousand dollars and here here's oh my it, goodness it blew my mind i was literally sleeping i was resting yeah that's um, the beauty of it we're both asleep. and it was a it was a friend's husband who decided to give and he wasn't even paying attention to our ministry he just felt led to give and wow. They had tried to deliver it the week prior, but they'd all gotten sick. The whole family had gotten sick. And so that was the first day that she could drop the check off, which oh, just happened to be the day after the the ugly prayer and the desperation. <laughs> so that's right on time. Every time he's right on time. That's the lamp yeah. in my feet. That that's somehow, some way, we, we have to be in these spaces where we can't see any further where we reach our limits in order to mm-hmm. grasp uh, what what he's capable of. Um, mm. and, and that's the life of ministry. It's like you're putting yourself on that kind of edge of, of, of what you think you can do and, and trying to discern where he's leading you. And it it's um, it's beautiful and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And the, my favorite part of that, well, Ter- so I don't know many- if it's terrifying the right word. That sounds, yes. it, it, at times it is just, I don't know. It's, uh, maybe that's Oh, yeah, I can totally relate. This, okay. The yeah. idea of, I one of my board members told me 
I was I was sharing like some new direction that I wanted to take the ministry. I felt like the Lord was leading in some specific ways, and it's like I I don't know if this is right, but I just I feel the most excited about this of mm. it, for anything I felt for the where He's leading in this ministry, and I'm terrified. I'm like, I'm super excited and I'm terrified, mm. and I don't know if that's okay. He's like, man, that's usually the best place that we can be. Like. Mm. Because what that usually means, and it probably meant for you, was where he's leading me, where he's leading this ministry, where he's leading our family, whatever. It like this is way bigger than I had imagined. This is way different than I had imagined. This is way. This is not what I had plans for. This is bigger, or this is different, or that like. And and when when you're in that place, like the I think the terrifying piece is like. And this is far greater than I'd ever imagined. This is far that there's fear in there. There can be fear in that and that terrifying feeling and excited. Like I'm excited with what you're going to do, but like, I don't know, can you really do it? And then he does. And you're like, Oh, you are so much better than I thought. (laughs) Totally. A hundred percent. Yes. And I think the beauty of that too, I think one of my favorite parts is that we were both asleep and he's like, I see you. And even when you're sleeping, I'm working mm-hmm. and I'm providing. And I was like, That's beautiful. Oh, you're mm-hmm. so good, God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a similar story with starting full-time ministry with Reliant Creative and mm-hmm. and like giving up on all my uh, self-employed like businesses. And I, I had been self-employed and had a couple businesses for a decade and was trying to make these things super successful and so that it could fund the ministry because I didn't want to ask anybody to be, I didn't want that beggar mentality. Like I don't want to ask people to invest in this idea. I just want mm. to do it myself, Lord. Mm. And, uh, and like nothing was working. It was not working. And so I gave up. I was like, forget it. I'm going to go pursue firefighting for a while and did that because yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. I've got my EMT license and I went and was an EMT for two years as I was pursuing fire jobs and interviewing at firehouses and all while this I, the same idea. Lord, I'm just going to find a career that can provide for my family and fund this ministry and give me time and space to run the ministry. And firefighting is perfect. Like I can work two days and I can have four days off and I'll be a dad in those four days and I'll run the ministry in those four days off and shoot. I can watching my brother and my brother-in-law who are both firefighters, you know, hear them talk about what the firehouse is like. It's like, I could run this ministry at the firehouse, you know, that kind of prideful uh, view of what it was, what it meant to be a firefighter and what it could look like. And, and at the end of that two years, towards the end, um, I had gone on paternity leave. My daughter was born that, that during that season. And, It's like, okay, I'm going to take this paternity leave. Um, There was like a month and a half of paid and I could option to take a month and a half unpaid. It's like, I'm just going to take the whole three months and I'm just going to sit and pray about this and see what the Lord has. And he kept leading me towards full-time ministry. And so it's like, same thing with you guys. Like, all right, Lord, I'm going to do it, but you need to show up real quick and start providing for us. Uh, or I got to go find myself a quote unquote real job. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is like, when I tell that story, 
there, there's no reason he should show up and affirm and confirm me when we've made some ridiculous like negotiation with with him like that, right? There's no way he should show up. He should like let beat us up a little bit. Like, I'm I'm gonna show you a thing or two, or I'm gonna educate you a little bit here. But he did like immediately. He affirmed the decision financially. He confirmed that it was the right move, and and so like man even in my begrudging going into this kicking and screaming kind of like negotiating my way into this you better show up or i'm out he still is gracious with us in that and yeah. still chose to show up regardless of how completely invested i was or completely sold out on this idea i was or completely obedient to this i, I was not there was not this a hundred percent heartfelt, perfect motivation, surrender. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm here. What do you have for me? It was a, okay, what do you have for me? You know, that type of mentality. And he still showed up. He oh. still was so good. And so. Yeah, that it. just, I mean, that is him. Right. And that just goes to show, I think how, how small our view of him is and how we do kind of view him as like, um, like a kind of a taskmaster dad, you know, like I'm going to show you. And, and oh, instead yeah. it's more like, no, I'm so good. Let me show you. Mm. Let me love. Mm. I, I have always, I've grown up in the church. I have a different story than you guys. Like grew up in the church, followed the rules, right? My, my bent and my, default tends to be self-righteousness, right? Like that's my, that's where I lean on when times are rough. Right. And so just got to be good enough and follow the rules the right way and, and, uh, clean myself up before I come to you, Lord. Yeah. And, and this idea that like I, I, every once in a while I'll go in and out of therapy just for anxiety and stress and, and, um, like helping figure out some of those things, what's really going on at the heart level. And so I've been going to therapy yesterday was a therapy session mm. and I'm, and I've been struggling with, I couldn't figure out what I was struggling with. I was just, I've just been anxious and, and stressed out a lot lately and overwhelmed by a lot of things. <clears throat> and I'm talking through this and, and uh, started to realize that a lot of this was rooted in this belief or the struggle with the belief that God loves me regardless of my obedience. God loves me. His love doesn't change based on how obedient or disobedient I am or how well I do or don't follow whatever he's laid out for me, whatever his commands are, whatever, like his love for me is consistent regardless of that. In fact, he went to the cross before I existed, before I ever made any decision to or not to follow him or be obedient to him or follow his commands perfectly or live up to his standard or even my own standard for myself. Like he, his love for me is unchanging. Preach it. Not dependent on those things, right? His love is, and I'm, I'm saying this, it was just a con, like my therapist is just sitting there in her chair, not saying much. And I'm just, Big, like working through this stuff and, I'm just, and I, I start weeping man i'm like weeping yeah. 
that he loves me so much, regardless of my behavior, regardless of my obedience, regardless of like, yes, at the end of the day, uh, his love language to us is his grace, but we can't show him grace, right? Our love language to him is not grace. Our love language to him is our obedience, Mm -hmm. but our, his love for us doesn't change dependent on Mm -hmm. that obedience or disobedience. And so, man, I, I struggle with that and having that revealed in that session was just like powerful revelatory. Yeah. And I'm walking that. Right. Yeah. Let me, uh, this could be another digression. Uh, but this strikes me as you're sharing something that I've been wrestling with is the garden, right? Like, and, what you what I believe that we see in the garden, the picture that's shared there is Adam and Eve um, are the ones that are naked and ashamed. They perceive themselves as naked and they're ashamed mm-hmm. and they begin to cover themselves with fig leaves. God comes back ready for the relationship. Where are you guys asking us? Where, where, where are you? He wants to restore relationship. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve are the ones saying we're ashamed of who we are and what we've done. And we've got to cover ourselves with this fig leaf. And right. I think that is what we do in all, all <laughs> relationships. Yeah. Or a religious, you know, sort of fig leaf or a, I've got to have a Lexus or I've got to have a house in the zip code or I've got to, it's these things that we're putting on ourselves to deal with that brokenness that we talked about, Mm -hmm. that we all have an insecurity. We all have a, a lack, a lacking, Mm -hmm. and we have different fig leaves that we're trying to address than external, uh, Mm -hmm. belief. We think it's external, but actually it's internal. Mm -hmm. And, and God is saying, I love you. Where are you? I want to connect with you. And we think when we blow it, we've got to put more stuff on and do more stuff, more fig leaves to get right with him. That's not the case. He's right there. He never left. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And and so I think that's incredibly powerful what you just shared. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a daily thing to remind mm-hmm. ourselves, to actually set our minds on the belief that we have a God that is that good. Mm-hmm. That really does know us and really does love us. That's the challenge for me of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our storytellers, um, her name is Bree, and uh, her uh, her story is just amazing. And one of the things that she says is, "God is in a good mood about me, and He never changes His mind." Mm. I love that. Like if we would just know that truth, and then there's a pastor that we listen to. And he says, God never takes his eyes off the finished you he created. Mm. Yeah, man. He's going to complete the work he started in us. Right. It's a promise. Mm. So that's a good segue segue into my next question. What What are some of the barriers you guys have experienced that keep people from sharing their story? Like that, that vulnerability, sharing those things that are so deep in our heart that we're struggling with or, or whatever, whatever that situation is, has got to be difficult, right? You've touched on this a little bit, like that lady that wanted to share a story, said no, and then a year later came back. What are some of the things that, that you find that keep people from saying yes to this idea of, of sharing what Christ has done in their life? 
Mm. I mean, really the, not much. <laughs> what keeps them? Well, I was going to say the enemy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's part of our our it's difficult to share, mm. to be vulnerable. It, it's scary. It's kind of what we talked about in ministry. I, I mean, um, I, I do think that there is something, there is a psychological something that happens when we share. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you talked about, but there's a spiritual thing, reality to this thing. The testimony mm-hmm. of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So there is some sort of kingdom impact. Mm. that is happening when we're boldly sort of not even boldly even meekly declaring jesus something's going down and 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 i do think there is opposition that we face um and so it's you know i i i I don't know that that's that's what comes to mind yeah i think you're 100 percent right and i think by and large a lot of the people that share on our podcast are folks who are either ready um Mm -hmm. or um like just share their story all the time like their Mm -hmm. testimony is is just kind of a part of them Mm -hmm. i mean it it, is it is a part of them. It's his story in their life. Right. Um, but uh, I try and I try to, I think another component of the, the practical part of sharing your story is it's we're condensing. Uh, I mean, we've been following Jesus now for 20 plus years to condense 20 years of, of interaction with, with the Bible and his followers and with Jesus and the Holy spirit is like, impossible it's so hard it's so difficult to try and be succinct so Mm -hmm. there is this practical overcoming Mm -hmm. like well he's done so much how could i ever articulate all of what has happened Mm -hmm. that's a hard process so that that's the answer antidote for me was to say okay i just want you to share and let's just be i want to create a space of vulnerability so that you can share really what you feel the most are most important and then i'll construct the narrative and, and put it together in a way that I think resonates the best that, um, so that just the, it, it's hard to be succinct. I think it's hard to mm-hmm. communicate succinctly all the stuff that, that, mm-hmm. that God's done in our, in our lives. Do you, do you find that people like, I don't know if in your network or sphere of influence and reach, if I, I get this a lot that, um, I don't have a story to tell uh, because of usually they've grown up in the church and never really known a day when they haven't loved Jesus and followed him. And so because there's not what I think most of the church tends to do where we lift up the sin and make that the most significant part of the story, if I don't have some type of addiction to transformation story, then my story is not important. Mm. Do Do you guys run into that? No, I, I, I'm intentional about wheat. Well, so I would just say that we elevate often when we think of testimony, we think salvation. And I, I think salvation stories are great. Um, we mm-hmm. certainly tell powerful salvation stories, mm-hmm. but I'm also interested in stories of relationship. And, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that I try to find people that and, and I have three kind of prompts. I say identity. What does it mean to be a son or a daughter? 
intimacy? How have you felt him, experienced him? Um, you know, how, how do you know that he's real, these real moments with him and then power, God's power. So you see things that are beyond your capability. So those are the, mm -hmm. I'm looking for stories that speak to those three things. Cause I think that they're, they're important. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think you're, what you're touching on is like, I think the church is often, when we think testimony, we think automatically salvation. Somebody that's walking with Jesus who doesn't really have a radical salvation experience maybe has a really beautiful way of relating to Jesus that started when they were six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. That that's valuable yeah. information. That 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 perspective yeah. uh, is is we all need that. Mm -hmm. I think we to go back to the spiritual warfare. I think we start to devalue our own potential and our own. I think that's a work, a trick of the enemy to, mm -hmm. to try and start to, we start to compare other people's fig leaves to use that analogy. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, their, their fig leaf looks a lot better than mine. I, I'm not, I'm kind of insecure. And really we need to be honing in on the relationship with God and, and what your specific relationship looks like. And mm -hmm. how do you, how do you experience him? Mm -hmm. And, and how have you been comforted by him and how has he shown up in your life? So, yeah, so the, that's really the meat of what we're after when we share our stories is, is that. Yeah. Well, and what, what I have always encouraged people who have a, a story like that where, hey, I, I don't quote unquote have a story. I've, I just don't have anything that was significant. Right. And my I, I think there is this um, the, the tendency historically that the church has done is, is put up on a pedestal, these stories of addiction to transformation, these significant, like world altering, um, uh, high contrast stories of incredible sin to crazy transformation in Christ. And it, it does leave people with stories that don't have some type of experience like that to go, well, my story can't be that significant. But what we're doing when we do that <clears throat> is taking away from what actually is taking place. In all of our situations, every person that follows Christ has had a death to new life transformation take place. Mm -hmm. I don't care if your story is like my wife who has a story that is I've followed Jesus since I was six. I can't remember a day when I didn't love him and follow him. There was still a death to new life transformation that took place in her. And that death to new life, that rebirth that took place in her life is the same death to new life transformation that takes place in the guy that's addicted to heroin his entire life. And at 60, finally says yes to Jesus and is transformed. The, what's actually going on in those two people's lives is the exact same thing. We are sharing in his death and resurrection, Romans 6, right? And so... That I think is what we need when we're telling stories, especially salvation stories, right? There's salvation stories. I would classify like the stories you're talking about as sanctification stories. What is it? What does your life look like as you followed Christ, as he can, as he's continued to make you more and more like him? But these salvation stories are death to new life stories. We are sharing in his death and resurrection. And that is a significant and powerful story, regardless of what your past looks like. And so that's how I, I try to encourage people that have stories of 
I don't know. I just have always loved Jesus. Like there's nothing significant. Oh no, there is. Yeah. There's a new life that's taking place in your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and that's what we can testify of, right? Totally. I think that's great. Yeah. Where, there's um, uh, another thought that I have is that, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has mm. created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So to me in that verse, there's two things that are important. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. The translation is masterpiece or some, some mm-hmm. say workmanship, but that it's the Greek word, uh, poema, I think is how you pronounce it, which is where we yeah. get the word poem. Mm-hmm. So in, in that it's, we are God's poem. We are God's mm-hmm. story. So mm-hmm. by saying you don't have a story is actually, um, not biblical, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're saying something that is not true. You have a story. It's mm-hmm. God's story. Your life, yeah. your, your creation is God's yeah. story. And then he has works prepared for you to do. So one of those things is to share your story, to share of him and what he's done in your life. Yeah, he's called us into something. He's called us out of something and he's called us into something. Right? Oh, good. Yeah. So good. So yeah. it's, but I think we, again, we look at other people's, we, we're comparing. You may have one person that your story can reach or two people or three mm-hmm. people. We, we look at audience size and, and we, we adjust, we, we look at metrics. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you have, he has works prepared for you in advance. He has people in your life that only you can reach and only you can touch. Mm-hmm. And so don't disqualify yourself. That's a tactic of the devil. He came to steal mm-hmm. that from you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the very fact that you have new life and you have the breath of God in your lungs, that is a huge testimony. And it's the, dare I say, this probably the biggest miracle that's ever been performed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. aside from Christ raising from the dead and now he's raising us to new life too. Like that is supernatural, crazy, crazy, Holy Spirit, powerful stuff that we just are like, oh yeah, I was saved. Or, I mean, we just (laughs) go about it and it's like, wait a second. That is the most miraculous thing. We don't give it the weight that I think it's due. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, hey, with that, let's uh, let's take a moment to hear from today's sponsor. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion on storytelling with Adam and Brooke. Are you looking to grow your ministry but don't have the money or marketing knowledge to make that happen? There's good news. Google offers an advertising grant to churches and ministries that is worth $10,000 per month. This means that if your ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit, you are eligible to receive $120,000 per year in free advertising dollars. This allows you to place ads at the top of Google search results pages and drive thousands of visitors to your ministry website every month. Our sponsor, Click Nonprofit, helps your ministry acquire this Google ad grant and then manages your Google ads to ensure you get the most out of the grant. Schedule a free consultation at clicknonprofit.com to learn more about how this grant can help your specific ministry. Mention the Ministry Growth Show when you sign up to get 20% off your first three months of management. All right, welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Adam and Brooke 
fish from the unseen story about the power of storytelling and testimony. Um, guys, we all, we see through all throughout scripture that God is serious about story, right? We, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, I noticed on your Instagram, you guys have a highlight reel of Instagram stories that shows a handful of Bible verses that speak to the power of story and the call to testify of what Christ has done in our lives as followers of Christ, right? We've, we've touched on some of these verses throughout our conversation already, but can you share a little bit about your own journey through the scriptures as God has seemingly revealed a call on your life through the word and other ways to help testify and storytell? Sure. What did that journey look like? Um, I, I would, I would start it specific to the ministry probably five years ago. There was a guy, um, humans of New York and he has a huge following on has, Instagram. I don't know what his like audience says. million plus 20 million. Um, and his, he was a journal, a journalist, a photojournalist who went around the city of Manhattan and just started interviewing people, strangers, walking up to strangers. And he's a good listener. He's a good writer. He's really good with people. He's he interviewed like 10,000 people, I think. And now who knows what the number is. But so that's how the genesis of the idea was just to everyone has a story, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's just really good at creating relational connection. And when people listen and are genuinely engaged, it's amazing what, what, what comes out of folks. Mm. So we had seen, I was like, wow, you know, in his, he has no bent. It's just... What do people want to say? What do you want to share? What stories do you want to share? And I thought, well, we have the best stories. The church has the best stories. We have the truth. Um, mm -hmm. Why aren't we better about cultivating the stories that we have? Because clearly people are interested in stories and mm -hmm. in, in just people's, you know, they're just stories. I mean, just of the life lived and people are interested why aren't we doing a better job as the church of, of cultivating our stories of life with God, of living with the truth? Um, and so that really sparked both of our attention. We started talking about it. Um, I ended up working, taking a position at a church um, and just kept thinking about it. It was a full-time position. And um, throughout that time, one of the ways that God confirmed um, this call, it, it began to get more serious as I had this job. And, um, uh, one time I just prayed to him. There was a, there was a specific sermon. It was about hearing from God, hearing the voice of God. And the pastor said that he, he'll ask a question and then try and find, um, he'll get receive, then pay attention. So he'll ask a question, mm -hmm. he'll get something, maybe it's a word or a picture, whatever he gets, he doesn't, um, he just tries to write it down. And then he'll try and find whatever that is in the Bible. So I did that exercise um, and I can't recall exactly. I think I got a picture of a tree or something. So I started looking up trees and long story short, uh, I went to the Bible and I landed on. So I was like, God, do you want me to do this ministry? And I got a picture. I went to the Bible and Daniel 4, 2 was the, was the verse that I landed on. And Daniel 4.2 says, I thought it was good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. Mm. And that was 
uh, a light bulb. <laughs> light bulb. It, was, it was like, it, it spoke to me, you know, like it was, it was, um, he was, I just felt like, you know, he was answering my question really directly. And, um, and then he really answered it really directly, but that is a very long story. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that was kind of a, I don't know that, that was, uh, I, I don't know how to say Again, if if I'm trying to be concise with all the things that he did, it was a two-year season of um, we had the idea, and then mm-hmm. instead of following up with the idea, I went to work for a church. I mean, honestly, it was sort of like I felt the call, and instead of going and doing what I think he was calling me to do, I ended up working for a church because I was like, I can't go there. Yeah, that's too but scary. This looks like your call as well. And I think both were, I mean, I think I you learned know, here, he's good behind door a and he's good behind door B. Like he's going to get you to where he wants you to be no matter what it just, you may be wandering in the desert for 40 years before you get right. there. And, and working at that church was really hard. It was a two and a half year journey. And he, it was clear that, that, that door opened. That's a whole nother story of how that happened. Um, and he taught me a ton and prepared me. Uh, for the mm. ministry, but then he was still speaking to me about the ministry throughout that season. Um, and then the call to actually separate from the church, to leave the church and and start the ministry was unlike anything that I've ever experienced. It was really mm. dramatic. It was really powerful. It was it's like a week long. It was humbling. It was, it was all the things. Yeah. And, mm. um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and that another another I guess scripture specific mm-hmm. thing that was confirmation is that you know there's a story of the five loaves and two fish mm-hmm. in in different ways at um, in a short window of time uh, we we were kind of wrestling and um, I feel like he brought that verse to mind independent of one another and in different ways and then we realized well we're actually two fish it's Brooke and Adam fish and we are two fish. So we're bringing what we have to the ministry. We're bringing our two fish. We're bringing ourselves to this call and, and we're just being faithful. Like, Hey, here we are. We're, we're not perfect. We don't really know. We don't know what we're doing. What we're doing. You know, we're <laughs> creatives. We have a lot of great ideas, but we're not marketers. We've never been great marketers. And so I don't like SEO, you know? So it's just like, that was, that, that was really helpful to just say, you know, we are like that boy just in obedience, in faith saying, hey, I, I, I don't have a lot, but this is what I've got, you know. Mm. And, and so the fact that our names are fish, you know, has an extra resonance to us. The fact that it was brought to our attention independently um, really kind of captured us and really spoke to us. Yeah. I was just going to share for me um, that doesn't really relate to our podcast and why we do what we do, but it does relate to the power of story. Um, I was uh, 18, maybe 19, um, freshman in college and um, wasn't a believer in Christ and had an abortion. And I didn't think it was life. And, um, you fast forward to becoming a Christian, getting married 
and um, being pregnant for the first time and all kinds of stuff kind of comes up in your heart and mm. your mind and in your life uh, when when those those things collide and you don't really know how to um, to kind of marry the two to make them make sense all together. And so yeah. everything begins to change um, and morph into something that it never was before. And so, um, through just a lot of challenges of being a new mom and um, going through probably a little bit of postpartum, um, I had a group of women around me saying, hey, uh, don't you think maybe you should go and get some counseling about that? And I was like, no, and I don't think about it. And clearly I did. And so the Lord, <laughs> through like several people, um, told me that I needed to be a part of this ministry and this ministry that was offered at the, the small now mega church that we first attended. Um, they offer a ministry called, um, Oh gosh, why did it just leave me? Shelter? No. Um, Someone cares. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, through someone cares, it's a post-abortion recovery ministry. Okay. And, um, one of the main scriptures that is a go-to there is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Mm. And he has redeemed the years that the locusts have eaten. And my kids, our kids are like God's promise again, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, like you, you, you're good. And it has nothing to do with what we do. You know, I always thought, okay, well, he's going to pay me back, right, for what I did. And so I have to be, I have to be the best mom ever. And I have to be the one to care for our oldest and, you know, who is a baby and don't get anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, otherwise, he's going to take your kid from you because you took his kid away from him. Right. Just all this warped thinking. Mm. And um, that ministry really just showed me the heart of the father and mm. what he really thinks about me and what he really thinks about life and um, transformed my thinking, transformed my view of not only myself, but of him. And um, so because That's of good. that redemption, I have to say so. Right. Mm. Like, I think that's the, the, I, I, we just got a story from a guy who's in Tanzania yesterday and we were talking about inside outside and going back to the fig leaves often we're, we're fixated on the outside, mm. um, and changing outside behaviors or we're trying to quit smoking or we're, you know, it's the outside when the inside gets resolved, when, when he heals us on the inside and we have that relationship, no matter what, like he was saying, I used to try and quit smoking and then when I would, I would feel guilty and like go through this period of penance and depression when I, when I, when I smoked again and he said, God spoke to him and he's like, what if you didn't do that? What if you stopped doing that and stop, you know, what is that going to, I think he revealed to him, like, what is that going to get you? And it's mm -hmm. actually going to lead to distance from God when we beat ourselves up, but mm -hmm. when we come to him and say, you know, I blew it again <laughs> and we remind ourselves, he still loves you. No matter you just smoked, he still loves you. He said that slowly it started to fall away. You know, he went 30 minutes without a cigarette then he went a day without a cigarette then he went five days and he hasn't smoked in, you know, I don't know, five years. He, he's a fairly new believer. But when we change the inside, the outside starts to change. It takes time. 
but we're, we're but we're, but really often our outside behaviors are things to satiate what's going on on the inside mm-hmm. whether they be religious or, or coping strategies whether it's pornography or having the right bible answers sometimes they're coming from the same place to resolve mm-hmm. an internal insecurity and and i think it's that internal relationship that story of it's, it's about relationship love god love others i mean mm. And that's really what I'm after. I'm after stories that talk about the reality of the relationship. Mm. Who mm. is this Jesus? He is better than you can ever think or imagine. Mm. And, and I struggle to believe it, man. Like I yeah. still, mm. it's, it's, it, that's the challenge of faith. Mm-hmm. That's the difficulty. It's, it's comprehending the goodness of this God that we serve and love. And I mean, he, he is amazing. And that word doesn't do it justice. He likes to drop an F bomb in front of that sometimes. Just (laughs) Well, I say that sometimes I used to say it this way. The gospel is not just good news. It's fucking great news because because the gospel is offensive. It's so good that it offends our, our understanding. It's so good. It's without anything that we bring to the table. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. He, he loves us to that end. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you slowly believe in a God like that? And if you can, he will change everything. Oh, yeah, he does the rest. He mm-hmm. will change everything. Mm. That's beautiful. Man, guys, uh, that is so beautiful. I love those words. And it's just such an encouragement to hear you guys talk and share your story. Um, to try to wrap things up, because we're at like an hour 10 here. Um, it's been such a beautiful conversation hearing you guys' story and, and your testimonies and seeing what God has done in your in your lives and in your ministry. Um, but what are some of the things that the church can do, some tangible things that the church can do to start telling stories more often because from what I can see working in the ministry space for a little over a decade now is there's, we're producing a good amount of content. This just knowledge transfer. Our sermons are all podcasted. Our, our campaigns are pushed out and broadcasted into the digital space, but I'm not seeing a lot of stories across the church. Now there's specific churches like your guys church um, that you grew up in, in your faith. That seems like they did a really good job. There's 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 unique places like that that do have an emphasis and a focus on storytelling. But as a body of as a global body of Christ, I think we're lacking in this area. Um, and the man, there's like we've talked about this entire conversation. There's so many incredible opportunities. The power of story is significant. The call on our lives to share what Christ has done in our life we see all throughout Scripture. And so what. How can the church begin testifying more often of what God has done in real people's lives? Mm. Uh, is that the ten thousand dollar question? Yeah. Um, I, the I mean I don't know if this is a great answer. The first thing that comes to mind is just control. Mm. That that mm. that often again we're Western in our thinking. And it's the kind of the church that we grew up in. Yes, they were great at sharing testimonies, but they're also very rooted in the Bible and um, which wasn't a bad thing. But but sometimes I think church 
staff becomes about right biblical answers and it, and it becomes about scripture memorization and and um strategies and pathways and application and and sometimes we miss the beauty in the messiness and the realness mm. of testimony in that um so there and when you give uh story a place there is i don't know i just i just think control i just think mm. that there's just yeah you can't control stories right i mean they're people's stories and mm-hmm. we have i mean to... and people are messy so yeah. you control what comes out of that and it does it can get messy but i think there's just a an acceptance of I, again i think it's about relationship i think it's about tension i think it's about being willing to be authentic and transparent and allow people the space to wrestle with mm. individual stories versus yeah. a lot of what we we have limited time on Sundays, limited time in our in our ministries and mm. in our communication channels. And often we're trying to give people answers. Mm. And 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 that's not bad, but but story is a does, does that make sense, you know? Like there's oh, a certain, yeah. You know, like they might say the wrong thing that doesn't align with our doctrinal beliefs. Yes. Or yes. They might say something that might offend somebody because of yes. whatever past lifestyle that right. they might have lived. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, and I think there's, I think there's, there's something that happens, especially in the West. Again, we're we're living in a, in the West, we are not an oral tradition culture. So this kind of stuff happens in churches globally a lot more storytelling and testimony a lot more than it does in the West mm-hmm. um, just because we're not an oral tradition culture. No, I think we're oh, moving yeah. in that direction. Digital and social media is forcing mm. us to move in that direction, but it's going to be a while before we can actually say the West is a oral mm. tradition culture again. Mm. But I think there's a tendency for the church to have to have everything polished. Like yes. everything has to be high, high production value. Everything has to be polished. Everything has to be according to our brand and on point <laughs> with whatever visual language that like, and I'm a, I'm a brand strategist. Like Reliant oh. Creative is a creative ag- agency. We are interested in beauty. We are interested in creative. We are interested and obsessed over high production value. Mm. And I'm saying, Hey, we can share stories and they don't have to be perfect. They can, we can allow them to be messy, both from a story perspective and from the production level at which we tell these stories. And so this is a plug for what's coming from us, but (laughs) we're this rescued and redeemed show that we're working on and going to start launching in the new year is an attempt to say, Hey, you can tell stories with a webcam, like literally get on a call like you guys are with me and testify of what Jesus has done. And that is good enough. And you can work towards higher production value and we can work towards polishing up things and making it better. But man, why not just start somewhere? Like we have this God that is actively working, has always been and always will. He's always gone before us. He's always in places where we're not before we get there. He's transforming life at rates that we can't imagine. Yeah. And so there's this ever growing infinite gap between the stories that he's writing in people's lives and the rate at which the church is testifying of what he's done. And man, how do we close that gap? 
If mm. the church would just say, hey, we're just going to testify and it doesn't have to be perfect and we're going to allow it to be messy, but we're just going to say, here's what Christ has done in this person's life. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that, we could start, I think we could start that, seeing that gap close. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that is where... Um, where kind of your story comes into play too, right? Of like, no, Lord, I want to orchestrate it this way and I'm going to, I'm going to make it work just perfectly. And he's like, you can't do perfect. I do perfect. You don't do perfect. And sometimes his perfect looks like a talking donkey. And to (laughs) us, that's real messy. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think that, I, I think that, it's interesting. So we just watched randomly um, this story the other night that was on uh, 20 minutes, 60 minutes, 60, 60 minutes, 60. not 20. Oh man. Um, Old school. Yeah. Minutes. I haven't heard about that in a long time. Shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm turning 50 tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, so we're watching 60 minutes and they had the, was she this? the secretary of state that was on there anyway um as they're going through like the pandemic and looking at the recession that followed you know as far as like everybody losing their jobs and people losing homes and all of this stuff right and they're like mm-hmm. the US is freaking out well people are freaking out worldwide right right and she said that the one thing that she would try and re- make her staff do daily is remember these things that we're doing here, they're not just protocols. They're not just laws. They're not just uh, things that we can put into play that are going to do something greater. These are people. These are people whose lives we're affecting. Everything we do here affects someone. And I think Mm. if the church can remember that they're a building, we are the church and Mm. their job is to reach as many who don't know and who won't come in to their doors, they have a wealth. If they'll just look out every Sunday and Mm -hmm. see them as God's children, which they already do, but see them as a value that is more infinite than they can possibly imagine. And, and like Adam said earlier, just listen, Mm -hmm. they're sitting on a gold mine, a gold mine to, to draw others to Christ. Mm -hmm. If they would just remember that one, people are messy. Mm-hmm. Two, people are, we're his plan A. We're it. Right. The we're only it. plan. Plan yeah. A and there's no plan B. That's right. There's no plan B. Um, and and God longs to partner with us. We're mm-hmm. his number one way to spread the good news. And, and we're messy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I was thinking of that story, but just, you know, People. Well, it goes back to that relationship thing that, yeah. that you guys have been talking about this whole time. That's so of significant importance. Yeah. And I think we tend to forget that, right? We lean on programs and institutional models and strategies and man. Well, and then we present our, this polished thing as the church, right? To like this outside world. We're like, oh, look at us. We're so polished and we're so perfect. And then something comes out about a pastor and like a failing or whatever, mm-hmm. or something about a church. And then everyone's so devastated. If we would just get real and be like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? Churches are made up of people and people are messy. We're all messy. We're all just like that guy. That right. whether, yeah. whether we're walking with Jesus or not, we are messy. He's well, and the- I think that that's, that points to his 
anytime I'm pushed back on, oh, religion or church, I can't do that. It's just a, like, it, it's too hip, hypocritical or there's, yeah. it's doesn't align with what the Bible said. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's a testament to God's incredible love for his bride, this bride that for all of human history has prostituted herself out to other mm. idols and other gods and other, uh, like anything but him. A, re- a right relationship with him. And yet he still sends his son to the cross, dies a miserable death, takes on the wrath that was owed to us and rises again, defeating death, making way for us to have a relationship with him. Like that's a testament to his great love for this broken people. And that you also can experience that love and walk in that in a right relationship with him. Like if, if you found yourself in this perfect polished church. Like I'd say you'd walked into a cult, turn around and leave. Like the the church is a broken people and that's what makes his work on the cross so significant. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, man, there's, yeah, we could go on about that, but I I think we're, I like what you said. Just to maybe, I, I think we're headed into a place more, uh, I think we're headed into a different season of the church. I think we're seeing mm-hmm. some of the failings of the mega church and the church having power uh, politically and how that's um, done a real disservice to the to the church as a whole. And I think we're moving into maybe a season of, of smaller, of people who are searching for truth. Church, mm-hmm. church you know, fake news, the truth is becoming more and more relative and where is the truth? How do we find it? Mm-hmm. It's slanted and depending on who you're, what news source you're getting it from. And so I think people are looking for truth. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I just want to reframe like a little bit and just say uh, the truth uh, lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. And, w- and when you have this relationship, you don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the external answers. If I know internally, I, I have the mm-hmm. truth internally. Mm-hmm. And when I have the truth internally, I can be in a moment or be with a person or be in a situation that's very uncomfortable externally, but no, I mm-hmm. carry something into that situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think testimony is, is where we're headed relationally is where we're headed. Um, because, you know, I, I just, that's the way I see it. I just think that we have to be that way. We're trying to convert people into a way of thinking and external behavior. And, and really that's, we're seeing the fruit of that in Mm. in our day and age. And I think people are rejecting that church is losing, um, losing membership. Yeah. Yeah. And we're moving into what's real. And as we um, encounter people, we can give them something that's real. Mm. You know, we can, we can lay hands and pray. And I think that's what, that's what Jesus is calling us to do, to mm. go and be his hands and feet, you know, be him in these situations, yeah. be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you know? Mm. So that's good. that's good. Well, let's end on that mm-hmm. guys. This has been such an incredible uh, conversation. I've obviously we're at almost an hour and a half here. So uh, I've had a lot of fun nerding out about story and storytelling with you guys. How can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you and the ministry of the unseen story? Uh, I would send people to the website, uh, the unseen story 
www.ghostsandmysteries.org. Uh, all our contact info is on there. We'd love to hear and, from you. Yeah, and all like Facebook and Instagram handles, those are all on the website. So it's a great, and our email, cool. if anybody has a story they want to tell. Yeah, uh, awesome. It's all there. Yeah. All right, cool. Can I pray for you guys real quick? Oh, oh man, yes. Father, I just thank you so much for Adam and Brooke and uh, this ministry that you've called them into so obviously and clearly. Lord, it's been cool to hear their story, to see how you've moved and worked in their life and um, drawn them into something so cool and uh, part of your redemptive work and um, led and guided them as they've pursued you. And um, I pray that you would bless the ministry, that you would bless them, that you would continue to go before them um, and just help them to testify of all that you have done in people's lives. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you being on the show. And uh, yeah. It's our uh, honor. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be in touch. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.